You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is another episode of Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Bashara. And we have our guest today, Miss Lynette Palladino. Welcome, Lynette. Hey, yo. Who's uh, got a, a really picked a great one <laughs> with a little prodding for me. I did. Uh, I was given two options. For you, you were not given two options. <laughs> yes, I, I made a couple suggestions. And Rocky Peter's- Three. Woo! Yeah. And I chose Rocky Three. I'm a huge Rocky fan. Okay. And and like I I'm sure when you talk to movie buffs, they'd be like, "Well, how huge?" Not like you guys. Like I get laid. Oh, I'm not. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Did you see what was in my bedroom? Uh, I did actually. I took I took note of that. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is interesting." Yeah, groupies. I'm not a big uh, movie buff myself. Peter's really the nerd of the podcast. I would yeah. say he knows everything. That's about true. It. And this one is a big one. He Rock- loves Stallone. Stallone is like Stallone is my personal hero. Is he really? Yeah. Everything like everything about like the way his career, how he ma- invented Rocky, the fact that forty something years later he's still writing and directing movies, he's still relevant to this day. Not only that, I was thinking about the other day, he created two characters. I mean, Rambo was a story. Rambo was a was a book that they adapted, but it was going to be a a movie with Dustin Hoffman. Oh my god! As like a, really? it was going to be like a sad like post Vietnam guy comes back from vietnam and oh. he's like really sad and he's trying to get his life together Moody. kind of movie a little bit and Jew-y. stallone turned it into <laughs> rambo so stallone really is responsible for the rambo character and he so he's created two of the most iconic characters in like american pop culture basically at the same time simultaneously and 45 years later both of those characters are still relevant yeah that's crazy like I agree. and people like I, and i think that people think that he's like not smart it's like are you nuts he's oh the- i know yeah. i mean to have your first movie that you wrote directed nominated and, st- and starred in they didn't even want him to star in it and he's yeah. like then you don't get the movie and it it wins best picture like yeah. that's wild it's it's uh wild. he uh only he orson wells and charlie chaplin i believe wow. were nominated for best actor for a movie that they wrote and that was also nominated for Best Picture. The other one is Citizen Kane, which is up there on well, my wall. Well, then I guess this year, too, would be uh, that fucking bullshit with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he, she wrote it? Well, he didn't write. I don't know that he wrote it's, it's not an he, It's not original material, though. That was an adapted movie, yeah, Star is Born. But, but he wrote that screenplay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, he's, I mean Bradley Cooper is another guy. He's, I mean, he deserves recognition. He's a, he's a real talent. I don't know. As an actor... So much, but he's a, he's a sharp guy and he's done a lot of cool stuff. I just watched the movie on a plane, um, and it really, it like I started brooding about it, and I started thinking more about the storyline, and it just pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Do you guys all see it? I I did see. Uh, I'd say seventy five percent of it. I kind of I downloaded it and fell asleep. But yeah. yeah, I saw it and I was like, mm. it was fine. The song is really good. The few of the songs are really good. But the, the, <laughs> I I don't thought, even the like suicide the was not justified. 
Okay, so I didn't want to get there. Spoiler like, alert. Spoiler alert. Whatever, this is really... a movie podcast. Go kill yourself. I don't care. I... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what pisses me off about that storyline is that they make her character out to be, like, this street smart kid. They basically make the illusion that her yeah. father is either connected or he's involved in nefarious activities. 100%. By being, yeah, so her dad's pushing her to get involved with him and he's like no he's a drunk and she and she snaps back at him like you would know all about that so there's this undeveloped storyline a backstory for her that you have no idea like was it her mom that was an alcoholic was he an alcoholic like who's the alcoholic that she's getting so pissed off about (laughs) yes true and yet she falls in love with him anyway and then like there's the whole night where she can't get him. She can't find him. She can't find him, and right, he right. ends up at his friend's house, who's played by what Dave Chappelle. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's great. That was hilarious. There's so a there's lot a lot of comedians, comedians in that movie. Yeah, yeah he, I think he did it on purpose. Yeah, so he ends up at Dave Chappelle's house, and she wakes him up like, "I'm never gonna come looking for you again." Like, you know what I mean? Like that's supposed to be the last straw before the last straw. I don't know if the audience can hear, but there's my pigeons out my window are just landed on the the (laughs) windowsill. Are they your pigeons? Well, they they live here. They were here before I got here. Yeah, but then she marries him that day. Like, bullshit. Like, I I get offended by that storyline. One, because it's just not believable to me. Like, my Mm -hmm. mom was a pretty horrific alcoholic, and there's no way that I would have done that all over again. Like, I'm not letting history repeat itself. See, Mm. see, but... um, there, there's two responses to that because I, I know yeah. a lot of people that have repeated that story, and I get that. Yeah. But then when he completely fucking embarrasses her at the Grammys, like <laughs> there's no way her management or somebody else around it's her wouldn't have gotten involved yeah. when he's falling on stage during that performance. He needs to be like seated. He's falling on stage as she's going to get her like award. <laughs> you kidding me? You're telling me nobody would have intervened? Yeah. Like they were oh, gonna get it led to the point where he pisses himself. Well, so a problematic <laughs> thing too is that that scene is supposed to be like horrific and it's actually everybody in the theater laughed yeah Yeah. you're you're supposed to be like this guy is so it's so horrible that he's peeing himself in public and everybody literally broke out laughing that's like a badly directed kind of a failure i agree like i'm like this doesn't make any seem like an oscar worthy movie and when she's standing there there's no rage there's no horror there's Mm -hmm. no mortification like Mm -hmm. she's just like oh she she tries to take her dress and cover him i'm like no no i would have been beating his head with my fucking grammy like (laughs) like murdering my husband on stage (laughs) so those those just tuning in, this has now become a Lady Gaga podcast. <laughs> we're done with 80s action movies. Yeah, we're a bunch of little monsters. <laughs> no, so, so I mean, Rocky, I, I mean, I have the Rocky special edition Blu-ray is on the top of my DVD pile over here. Good boy. Um, Stallone literally is, is one of my heroes. I, I, but I grew up, really? I had, so Rocky Four was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. I was six years old. Oh and my, my gosh, really? My dad said, hey, do you want to go see Rocky? The worst of all the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Well, five. Okay, fine. <sighs> Anyway, uh, I don't want to get in. I don't want to spend it because I can spend the hour just talking about that. So Rocky Ford, first movie I ever saw in the theater. I still remember. I remember walking in the parking lot with my dad as a six-year-old going to the theater. But Rocky Three was the one that I owned on VHS. So that was the one that I watched over and over and over again. And I think I told both of you individually. I actually, for the first time ever, I dreamed about the podcast. Yeah, you did. And in my dream... We're in a beautiful like radio studio, like we've really arrived. Okay, and we're recording. <laughs> Not my apartment. We're at a table. We're around the table with all the mics, and the conversation's kind of going. And I'm I'm having like a temper tantrum in the dream, and I go, 
I have a th- this podcast has a thesis, and I want to tell you what the thesis is. And the thesis in the dream was that Rocky Three created the '80s as we know them. And I've been thinking about that for the last couple of days, and I actually think that is true. I think the aesthetic of the 1980s and how we remember the decade of the 80s was in large part created by the movie Rocky Three, and it came out in 1982. And if you look at Rocky One and Rocky One and Rocky Two are seventies movies. Yeah. yeah, the original Rocky is a real very seventies. The, the original Rocky could have starred James Caan. It could have starred sure. You know Duvall. By the time you get to Rocky Three, it's definitely Stallone. Yeah, and he's Stallone's got the blow influence. Yeah. yeah, well, he. I mean, he he his hair in the movie. He directed is so great. He directed the second one. The third one, um, it's at another level, and it is really it's where the montage really comes into effect. The the, the Rocky montage. And I was thinking about a lot of the movie is not him. A lot of the movie is like is like Adrian and Mick and Mr. T and and Apollo like getting to shine. Yeah, like that's like the best Apollo movie yeah. of all of them. And the scene on the beach where, like, and, and again, like this is what and part of what I mean with the eighties stuff. It's like it's it's America. It's like we went through the seventies. There was like you know inflation and Vietnam War ending, and everybody's depressed. And then the eighties come in. The economy picks up. All of a sudden, it's like morning in America again. And like that movie is kind of about that. And he, but he first, the hero has to stumble. So he, he's on top of the world. He's rich. He's famous. He gets beat up by a guy. He gets outclassed by a guy in Mr. T. Yeah. And he doesn't. Who's, who is just hilarious. hilarious. Amazing in this movie. He's Lover so Lang. great. Do you know the story about how he got in this movie? No. That's another thing. So Stallone. Yeah, like, who was he? So Stallone this made a lot of people. Like he found Carl Weathers, who was like, oh, had, really? had been a football player yeah. who, who then um, started to do a little bit of acting. Um, Talia Shire is, is Francis Ford Coppola's sister who was in, in the Godfather movies. So Mr. T had been on a, uh, like a, think about this, like early eighties, like reality competition on TV. It was like a one-off where it was like America's best bouncer. And they had competitions like Did literally they really where you, do this? Like literally we had to like break down a door and like and like drag a person out of a bar. Oh my god. And I Mr. Love T all of was a, a bouncer in Chicago and he was so charismatic that Stallone was like, I want to put that guy in the movie. And made him into an actor. He had never done anything before. And this was the first role he yeah, ever had. And and wow. interestingly too, like Hulk Hogan, he kind yes. of made Hulk Hogan too. Because Hulk, like back then, you know, wrestling was this like regional thing. People like went to stadiums to see wrestling, but it wasn't in like the national so, culture. Wanna hear a funny story about how Hulk Hogan got the spot? Yeah, yeah. Sure. He um he wasn't even in America when he got this letter via Western Union directly from Sylvester Stallone and he thought it was a prank like he thought it was the other wrestlers pulling a prank on him <laughs> and so when they when Stallone offered him the spot he immediately flew back to the states and was like yeah yeah I'll do it I'm, of I'm there yeah. take it well so there was wow. a there was a great Andre the Giant documentary that came out last year I think it was on ESPN I, I think rem- it- all I remember is that there was a story where he said he drank 70 beers oh like every sitting. day the guy was an animal but he like, but Andre the Giant again is like this great like it's mythical figure from the 80s right. but like a lot of the documentary is about how wrestling became what it is yeah. where it was these guys literally were like these blue collar guys that were like do, you know pop up you know uh, rings in like basketball gyms VFW and, halls. and Vince Vince McMahon like united all these different wrestling federations and made it into this national phenomenon where it was on TV and there was toys and a cartoon so like Hulk Hogan was really made uh with Rocky, he he kind of he became a star. Like so a he national, sort of, he became the face. Lips. Yeah, he became the face <laughs> of 
yeah. of wrestling because it's like he's the only one that's actually a, a, movie, yeah. a movie star. <laughs> so like Stallone, that's like very smart of Stallone to do that. And even like, I don't want to talk about too much about like Creed is. I mean, have you seen the two Creeds? I've seen Creed one. I the first one the is amazing. One. The second one, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what I think. Mm-hmm. But even with Creed, like he like you Stallone. The first one was amazing. Yeah. See, I I love the Rocky movies yeah. because. So you you brought up the point about how Apollo and uh, Adrian's characters really come to light in Rocky Three, and I kind of like the Rocky movies because you're not encumbered by any sort of romantic storylines. Like it's there, yeah. but it's not the point of the movie at all. And I appreciate that so much. Like you just want to watch this underdog like succeed and really kind of by himself. Like I hated the speech that Adrian gives him on the beach. Oh my God. It's the best part of the movie. I <laughs> fucking hate that part. Mostly because I'm like, I'm watching it. I'm like, this is two morons talking to each other. <laughs> Trying to like, like how do you hype up a moron? <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, how'd you get to be so tough? She's like, I live with a fighter. I'm like, shut oh, the God, fuck it's so up. Beautiful. I'm getting emotional right now thinking about it. I still get, Pumped up it made it. me think about you know Kathleen Madigan. Yeah, 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 yeah. She does great bits about how her father gave her shit once because <laughs> I guess she wanted to hire a plumber or something, and then he's like, "Why?" <laughs> why don't you get the wife to do it and he was like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like I, yeah sure i guess she's taking a look at the van a couple times she could do it yeah yeah <laughs> well, well so even the like the original story uh stallone wrote the script and the script it's you know it's funny it's always whenever you read these stories about how these movies get made it's always uh it's always the script was a lot darker originally they That's always, always say, say it's always like the script was always darker yeah and then yeah, somebody yeah. comes in and says oh we gotta lighten this up a little bit yeah so the original script he's just like a leg breaker for the mob who's a boxer and they're like no we need to like be this able- is the original we, rock the original rock script Rocky yeah, no no yeah, the yeah, first yeah. the very yeah, first yeah, yeah. draft right. of the first script that he right. showed to anybody right and they said this you gotta root for this guy a little bit we have to give him a love interest so that's where the Adrian thing comes from. I don't mind it in the first movie, and I don't really mind it in the second movie because I I think it's it's interesting, you know. Like, but in the third movie, like now they live this glamorous lifestyle, and suddenly she's fucking Yoda. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like oh, this is po- well, yeah, this podunk you. bitch that came from a pet shop in Philly. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny you say right. that because I was actually I was rewatching just that scene, and I was thinking like. Yeah, the the rocky journey is like his self actualization from like a. You know, I just wanted to know I wasn't a bum like that was somebody. So right. like he's on top of the world, and then the, yeah, it's like Adrian has this journey too, where she's like literally like the nerd with glasses, doesn't talk to anybody. His her she's brother fucking autistic. Her brother's <laughs> calling her a retard. Her brother's like take her out. She's retarded. Yeah, the, <laughs> the mafia guys are like take her to the zoo. Retards love the zoo, which became like a famous line. Which is in culture my favorite too. line ever. Hey, Rock, you know what you do? You take her to the. Zoo. <laughs> Zoo. Retards <laughs> love the zoo. That, that is a set up punch better than most yeah, my yeah. friends can do. Yeah. So yeah. So now, so now she becomes this <laughs> boxing guru. Right. You know what I mean? But it, it's funny because um, it's not boxing guru. She becomes like his emotional support wife. Yes. Like, yes. She's like, you, you're, you're afraid of yourself. And like, what are you so, afraid hold on. of? No, I, I think you put it well. It is two idiots like trying to figure out how to love each other. So this hurts me personally that you say this, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm going to move on. But like, it's funny because now I'm thinking about it because there's a similar scene in Rocky Four, this time in the, in the snow, 
where he needs the pep talk from Adrian. It's like they just like rehashed it. This is, three is like the real one, and four they just like needed. They basically needed a one minute break between fifty minute montages. Right. So that's what. So that's what that scene. They couldn't have two fifty minute. Yeah, you want a little break, but in this one, like I do think though, where like that whole. All right, as like an Italian kid from Jersey, like, and that's the thing. That's like the genius of Stallone in these movies is like. I to this day I will watch the Rocky Four training montage on YouTube and then I'll do push ups. Oh yeah. Like I, I get literally pumped. thought that same exact thing. Like so background audience. I'm in the army and I have a physical fitness task coming up next Sunday. You're in the army? Yeah. So wow. yesterday I worked out with a trainer for the first time in eighteen months. And oh, then man. I was watching Rocky three this morning for this <laughs> podcast. And I was like, Yeah, I'm fucking ready. I'm gonna kill this PT test. <laughs> like, I'm gonna yeah, do no, but, it. But seriously, and even with me, Hell like yeah. my my struggles with like my career and like basically like running away from being an artist for a long time and like my fear of all this stuff like Rocky where, where like Apollo comes in and is like training him and he's like he just doesn't have it he's like maybe you know maybe it's over I don't, I don't want it anymore Adrian I'm afraid I'm afraid yeah. what we want to hear you want to hear I'm afraid it's That's like crazy. I know yeah, I like that, that feeling of like him having to like push himself beyond what he thinks it, and it, it's funny too because I was watching it yesterday and I'm like oh uh, he's He's a champion of the world, and he's learning how to box. Like all the scenes are like Apollo teaching him basic boxing. Just technique. jab, jab, yeah, yeah like, get out of there. Like this is a this is a punching bag. This yeah. is a speedball. It's like you didn't learn this part yet. Like why are you? Why does it seem like you're doing this for the first time? Yeah. You're already champion of the world. And, you know, it's funny you should say that because I was sitting there watching. It. I was like, isn't this the movie where he boxes like straight, not southpaw, and they all they do come the switch? Out. Oh no, they do the switch in Rocky Two. That was in Rocky Two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, so I was like, wait, wasn't that a big deal? To tri- he tricks uh, Apollo. Apollo, yeah, because yeah, he was the southpaw. And then- yeah, uh, which is totally so unrealistic. Would never happen in a yeah. real boxing well, and match. That's, and the thing, too, is like th- these movies ruined me well, for real careful, boxing. Because Tanya Harding, yeah. as we all found out, was an Olympic figure skater. And then when she was banned from figure skating, became a boxer. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Did Wait, really? Yeah, it's just like, and she was just like, I was used to getting hit, so whatever. Jesus <laughs> fucking I thought you, I thought you were going to... dark. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they hit uh, Nancy Kerrigan with the left hand so they wouldn't be able to Why? tell. You know what I mean? Like, Why? It'll be like, the, oh, we're, we're, look, we're looking for a left-handed bandit so Why? they will never know. <laughs> I hated Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. She has a terrible voice. All right. Uh, anyway, um, what I wanted to say was... Uh, Peter, I'm just going to explain to our guests why Peter Peter likes 80s cheese. That's why the beach scene doesn't bother him. Actually, he loves it. I love Can the I just, earnestness of it. It's fine. It's whatever. But I, I'm, I'm a cynic kind of like you. Of my favorite of the montage scenes, my favorite is when they're running on the beach. And then for no apparent reason, they just do close-ups of both of their junks okay, while they're I, running. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Those thigh muscles are impressive. No, I want, it's not the thigh it's muscles. It's not the thigh muscles. They're... <laughs> What those do you think are, the close-ups are? They're of? the best quads ever put on film, I think. Back well, back. Sure, that's one way you could put it. Um, they're they're close-ups of their. I mean, yeah. so hilarious. Honestly, I've never noticed Rocky Three. I'll say this is the most homoerotic of the Rocky series. There is definitely a way that you could watch this film and say the actual romantic love affair is between Apollo Creed. Oh, we. And oh, Rocky I said Apollo. that there was a total bromance going. <laughs> oh, I think it might have went beyond bromance. But, there, but there's the one scene where they're in the ring and like Rocky oh. finally learns how to fucking dance like a color boy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they the quote Paulie. The quote from the movie. We're not <laughs> saying quote, that yes, ourselves. Thank you. Uh, and like they hug it out. You can't fight like a color fighter. 
Pauly in that like whole so part best. of the movie. I'm like, it's cringeworthy because yeah, we all have yeah. an uncle like that. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Um, I can't be around these people. What do you mean? I these? Can't be around. <laughs> even at the end, though, at the end where he goes, I got a, I got a secret for you. What does Apollo keep saying? I got a surprise for you. No, so, you owe me a favor. You owe me a favor. Yeah. yeah. So sexual. And then they go into a dark boxing ring and oil each other. Who's oiling who? They're oiling each other up. They're all oiled up. I'm sorry. Peter's grimacing right now. He hates this. There is definitely some videos online that I watched that showed this as a homoerotic. You have to understand, like, again, at this, at this time, these movies, yeah. a, a lot of the movie is, like, the image on screen. So like Stallone is selling Stallone. Like he literally was like, and it's funny because on the on the Blu-ray, uh, John G. Alvison, who directed the original um, Rocky, he would make uh, Super Eight uh, rehearsal videos. So he basically would record the whole movie on Super Eight, so he would so he could plot out how he wanted to do it bef- as a rehearsal, and then they would make the movie. So there's actually uh, scenes of Stallone and. Um, and Carl Weathers boxing, like working on the choreography of boxing. And Stallone is like paunchy. He's like 20 pounds heavier than... <laughs> paunchy, what and, a word. And, and John Z. is like, uh, you're going to be a boxer in a, in a movie about a boxer, so you better lose some weight. <laughs> so like <laughs> even in Rocky 1, he's in great shape. But if you look at him in Rocky 3, oh, yeah, he's like... And it's like... He's but on, that's, he's on but he also has two different bodies in Rocky 3. Yeah. At the start of the movie, he is like buff. At yeah. the When he's... During the second fight, he's cut, and they well, talk they, about that. They're they, like, and, he's like, he looks like a middleweight. It, yeah. it's, a, it, it's hard to maintain that. Like a lot of those movies where they they like film things out of order so that the guy, like if a, a movie where someone has to lose like a drastic amount of weight, yeah, they'll do the skinny scenes first because then you can put the weight back on fast. So you think about it, like they probably film for you know three months. So it's hard it's to maintain it that. Took forever to make a movie yeah. back in those days. Oh, yeah. To maintain that body type when that's not your natural yeah. thing Roids. is like really hard. To, yeah, dude, he was. Definitely they were a, taking those eighty steroids too, yeah, where yeah. like the muscles just were so water weight and just huge, like yeah, yeah, yeah. big packs. Because again, if you look at the original Rocky, like that's a, like I would aspire to look that way. Like that's a that's what a, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's what a guy who's in good shape naturally looks like. And then in Rocky three, it's what like a it, cyborg it, looks like. <laughs> it's like yeah. with the action figure when they put the muscles on the action figure. Right. Like that's literally he's what get, Stallone looks he's like. He's getting in the movie. some extra help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It but looks I mean, good. but it is. But I think it's it's not even so because I so that's what I'm saying. Like I don't it, I don't think it's homoerotic. I think it's like literally. <laughs> Yeah, like, why do you think they did like the like that like all right, let's put it this way, the bromance. What do you think that added to the film? There is a scene where there's a split second where I think they're going to kiss in, yeah. the, in the water. <laughs> Dude, they're like jumping on each yeah, other. And it just like kind of it's like he's like splashing, splashing water on each other. <laughs> That's and so... it, it kind of like it kind of it freeze frames <laughs> yeah. like where the kiss would be. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know. What I don't do you think it adds to the I film? I don't think it was the intention. I cuz I think the I think the intention is that yeah. these guys were the enemies. Yes. The whole, and now they're friends. The whole the whole myth of Rocky is Rocky versus Apollo Creed. They had to come up with a new angle. Yeah. So Apollo then being sort of the Yoda to to borrow a line from you of Rocky is actually after Mick dies. Oh, we got to talk about Mick. Of That's, course. I know. So first it, of all, can I tell you that I don't understand how the entire fucking first two movies, yeah. his name's Mick. Right. I assumed he was Irish. And then you find he's got a Jewish last name. And then he dies and he's a Jew. And I was like, what is happening right now? I didn't realize he was Jewish So that's an interesting thing. So yeah. that's actually, I wonder if Stallone did this on purpose. So um, 
boxers used to all be Irish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a lot of Irish. So players. they would even change their names. So Frank to be Sinatra's well, father, mm. uh, like boxed under like Slapsy O'Brien or something like that. Because at that time, <laughs> at the turn of the century, there were no Italian boxers. Hey. So they took on Irish names on purpose. Uh, but yeah, so we in our intro music, I don't know if the audience has ever picked this up, but there's a scream in the middle of it, and it's actually the scream of Rocky the moment that Mick dies. It's the we when, he's, when he when he's oh! <laughs> it's really it's the guttural yeah. <laughs> that part. So while I was watching this, uh, my kids napping, I'm like, oh, man. That, my husband's packing for a business trip. It was that scream that got him distracted. <laughs> he crawled into bed with me, and he's like, I've got to watch this acting, this fabulous display of acting. His face is all fucked up from the fight. He, he's just gotten his ass kicked. Like it couldn't be more melodramatic. It's like it is the definition of melo- Mick melodrama. Mick gets shoved by Mr. T. Yeah. Stallone gets his ass destroyed yeah it's true only to find out that mick is dead like what can you die, <laughs> yeah. like, die. like they yeah. should have cut adrian's throat in the in the room at that moment they could oh, only think yes. they, they could have been more drastic to rocky <laughs> in that moment no yeah. no no not cut her throat but she should have been like i've got stage four cancer yeah yeah yeah. so it's, it's like it's like battle. and again like, but that's this movie is over the top like everything about this movie is yes. over the top and yet I do think, and, and again, like you see, like I have, I love Orson Welles. I love Japanese films. I love, I love a lot of films that are quote unquote more intellectual. But like, there's a mythology here that goes beyond. You you like the archetypal, yeah, uh, archetypical the hero. hero story. Yeah, I do too. I mean, but you're like a huge fan of like the romance that's involved with and that. I also, not not ro- you know romantically romantic. No, I mean, like, you know I'm, I mean. I'm a romantic, like as yes, in like yes. the, like the like romance poets. Yes. Yeah, like. I love the romance of the movies. And to me, yeah. like people say, when you ask me what my favorite movie is, my favorite movie is Karate Kid. Is, right. it, is it the greatest movie ever? No, but it's the movie that means the most to me. It's, I have the most history with it. And it's a movie that to this day I can watch over and over again. Right. I, I'm not going to re, you know, some classic movies that I'm not going to rewatch. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you just, yeah. you don't have that relationship with it. And art is not. It's not intellectual. It's it's a emo- it's an emotional response. Same thing with com- the comedy. There there are comedians that do not make me laugh at all, but they have an audience. I can't begrudge people have a response to that person. Right. And I've heard somebody say it's like half of it is just if they want to be in the room with you. Yeah. And Stallone is somebody that I want to be in the room with. Like I can spend all day. That's one way of putting it. With well, but not maybe on the beach. <laughs> um, I would run. I would run. You would definitely frolic on the beach or something. Oh, I'd be splashing, yeah. splashing the ocean water. It's like put, pushing him down. Into the sa- Dunking. Ro- Ooh, ro- I got rolling you. Rolling in the sand. You get all sandy. <laughs> Come on. that I love it. That scene is just, whoo, that's home right. I mean, that's the scene that everybody remembers. Like, yeah. that's, but again, it's like he created, We and this came up on the last podcast. Like, What did we say? Uh, Alfred Hitchcock said that the, the one thing that is native to – uh, cinema as an art form is the oh, mo- yeah. is the montage. Yes, it's the only art form where you see your face and my reaction to your face and your reaction to mine. It, that's what that's what cinema is. It's a collection of images, and Stallone perfected the montage. Like you can okay. watch those mo- the music, the way they mir- the, the different scenes mirror can we each talk other, and about also the music. Yeah, oh, I, I uh, love the music. It's so good. It's amazing. It's the same song every fucking movie, and I still get so amped up. So what I didn't know, I just read this uh, recently. So Eye of the Tiger was in the running. It was gonna be um, "You're the Best Around," which then became the Karate Kid song. 
So Stallone, Stallone passed on that song and picked Eye of the Tiger. So you can imagine, like, they almost did this movie without Eye of the Tiger. Like, that would have been That's nuts. That's crazy. This, this movie, to me, is synonymous with Eye of the Tiger. That yeah. song, I remember being a little, little kid. I don't know how old you are, but this was the first Rocky I ever saw. And I was, I was like, really young when I saw it. And I remember that song just being stuck in my head. And I think the whole reason I liked the movie was because I liked the song, honestly. Because yeah. I was like five years old watching this. But again, it's like, and that, uh, this is the genius of Stallone. It's like you hear that song to this day. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it transports you. Like you're, like I will, I will fucking, like I will jump rope just because I'm hearing <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. You know what I mean? Like I start, I can't help it. I start it's bouncing. I start, is- I start jabbing a little bit. Like start bouncing. When he but- becomes like the Philadelphia Pied Piper and all the kids yeah. are following him. Yeah. I'm like, I, I should run a marathon this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, but it's like. And Long it, distance running. Just I used to work good. out with, I have a good friend that's like, uh, he was doing MMA stuff. Really good shape. Mm. And I was always like, he, like, he was literally, we were hanging out and he was, um, I, I do this on stage, but he he was traveling with his food because he had to eat like eight times a day. So he had like Tupperwares with brown rice, broccoli, and tilapia. So he was like eating tilapia in like at the red light in the car out of a Tupperware container, and he was in great shape. So he like trained me for a little bit, and he really pushed. Me. And he said he goes he goes this is, it's you versus you like in everything in your life. Uh, that's and it's a good like point. it's a real like Apollo Creed thing. It's like there is no tomorrow. Like it's now. Like the moment is now. Yeah. And I know. It, and I think that. Stallone is an artist, but he's making art about an athlete. Yeah. But much like boxers and athletes, we as comedians, especially, oh yeah, it's I us versus ourselves. That. It's it's really there's a real mirror between boxing and comedy. I mean, the the difference is there's more of I would say an even playing field in boxing because at the end of the day, there's a winner. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get to keep playing because you're a winner. In comedy, it's so subjective. It's like yeah. you got to fucking get on your knees for every gatekeeper. You got to play politics. You mm-hmm. don't get to just be good at your craft yeah. and get to keep playing. It, like, and it's also like you could crush and did you win anything? No. Exactly. It's ambiguous. Yeah. So yeah. In, in, in a lot of ways for your own mental health and sanity, you have to look at comedy as a me versus me thing. Yes. Fuck everybody else. 100%. Fuck why I didn't get booked on that sto- show. Why sh- why'd she or he get that? Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? That person never made me laugh, you know? Yeah. So the only way. It's hard to not have those thoughts, but yes. It's, yes. I mean, you're right. And I've, you know, I've thought about this uh, forever, just like all the other comedians. It's like, yeah, it's like you have to kind of let go of the results because all you can do is do well. And then like, and like listen, there have been times that I've been sure that doing great was going to lead to something and it led to nothing. And there are other times where I was kind of mediocre and it, something good happened just because. So it's it so is weird. That happens more often than, yeah. like, I feel like my best sets, I'm like, yeah, that was, I feel real good about that. And it's like, either no one was there to see it. Like that was important or whatever. And then, yeah. and then the things I get, it's like, oh, I was just there, and it yeah. was fine. a lot of it is just being present. It's, it's like crazy, what? yeah. And I, and like when I, you know, when I first started doing, it, I was like, all right, I'm funny. Like that's sure. show me, show me the next round. And they're like, oh no, you have to like. There's all these like, <laughs> they're like all these politics and all this bullshit oh, that you don't yeah. know anything about yet. And people will resent you if you're too funny too fast. They'll be like, who are you? You haven't been around long. Enough. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? I'm like, true. I thought funny is the game. There is definitely the uh, like an undercurrent of you haven't paid your dues, earned yes. your stripes. Yeah, especially bullshit. New York. And then like people are like, you know, who've been doing it two years are like, I have a half an hour. And it's like, no, you <laughs> no, don't, you bro. Don't. Like, no, no. And, and I come to my album taping. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and I hate to be the person that says that. Like, no, no you don't. Right. But you just 
don't. Like, you don't, I, no. I feel like you could be super funny, but it doesn't mean you have the best half hour you could have come up with. Right, right. I think right, right, right. I'm really hard on myself, and I think that's the that's the key is that you just got to be hard because you know comedians were inherently lazy. We want like if I could if I could just coast on stage and get what I wanted, I that's what I would do. But the the setbacks, much like Rocky, the setbacks and the challenges are, are what have forced me to work harder. Because yeah. I think I know, I know that I have a certain baseline of talent, and it's like, oh, that's not enough. Yeah, well, also, you learn more from bombing than you yeah, do from absolutely. killing. absolutely. And again, it's like... So the setbacks are... Well, what? It's, to bring it back to Rocky Three, when he gets all butthurt, when Mick's like, all of those title fights were staged, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy well, fights. There was yeah. a... That line... That always got me. I was like, "What, what were they like staged, or were they like was Hand-picked. he fixing them?" Yeah. yeah. What can you do that in boxing? I'm, well, you decide who you're gonna who you're gonna fight. I guess yeah. so. But I mean that, and what you said about comics being inherently lazy, I don't believe that because I think once you get to like four or five and six years, there's no way you can be that stupid and lazy i think what happens is you do get comfortable Mm -hmm. and maybe you're just too comfortable in your material Mm -hmm. you know it crushes every time Mm -hmm. and you don't challenge yourself to come up with anything new definitely like a parallel with rocky like you know Mm -hmm. he wasn't in shape to fight yeah he got his he like literally i mean and again it's a perfect metaphor it's like he's his training is even like all flash whereas mr t's hunk mr t is like in He's got like the pipes hanging, and he's like oh pull, doing pull ups yeah. on the pipe. Like it's amazing, but that's that's exactly who the when you're on the top, that's the guy who's coming after you. It's the guy who's hungry, and if you stay yeah. hungry, then you can. I, Bill Burr has this great line. He's like, for years, somebody told me I was doing really well, and I was wondering why nothing was happening. And someone said, he goes, "You're gonna kill in obscurity for a long time." Chappelle goes, told him this. Oh, is that what that story? So it's like I I love that line, "killing in obscurity." Because sometimes I feel like I have a great set, and it doesn't matter. It well, just, the, it disappears into the ether. I'm like, okay, this is I'm killing in obscurity right now. The larger That's my sto- time. The larger story there, I think, was like Chappelle was talking to Burr, and Chappelle had really early success, but Burr was just crushing everywhere and not famous at all, really. And Chappelle said. It's probably better that no one knows you now because you're gonna you're gonna be huge, but when it's gonna take a long time for people to like you, but when they do, you're gonna be so ready. You're gonna be like yeah. on top. See, of that's the world. my thing about comedy, yeah. and I've heard ahead, it time and time again. People talk about like it's gonna. I saw Tom Segura at Denver Comedy Works um, a couple of years Great back. Club. Yeah, and. Some guy in the front row he was doing crowd work with had this unbelievable speaking voice. Like it was just like, you know, a voice made for radio. And he's like, you've had a great voice. Have you thought about radio? And the guy was like, no, actually, I want to do stand up. And without skipping a beat, Tom Segura was like, it's going to take you eight years. And I don't think Tom was saying it. Tom, Tom. And I don't think think he was saying it like at eight years, you'll be making a living doing it. It's like at eight years, you'll be the master of you on stage. Yeah, that, yes. You'll have your voice, you'll have your right. persona, you'll have your angles, your material. And I think I really respect everybody who's been where I want to be. So for him to say that, I'm like, look, I'm going to trust this process takes eight to 10 years. I'm going to grind it out, work my ass off until I get there. And at the 10 year mark is when I feel like I need to reevaluate. So many people like, want shit to happen like yesterday and i'm like 
Why do you think you know better than guys like Bill Burr or Sebastian Maniscalco right, or Tom exactly. Segura? Those are gr- three great examples. Well, it's funny because you know, like my 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 brother would be like, "Oh, I would see Miss Sebastian at at the stands," and he's sort of implying like, "When are you gonna do that?" And it's like, I'm like, I just haven't called them yet. I'm like, <laughs> you know, he, I'm like, you know, he's 25 years in. Yeah, right? yeah. this didn't happen last week. And like, he, he didn't was... just decide to be a comic. So here's a story about Tom sure. uh, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. I used to run this thing called the writer's room um, and I would invite young comics. They'd be on my show. It was a little bit of quality control for me. And then I'd come have a veteran comic work with their six minute set, whatever they were going to do. Oh, that's awesome. And it was a very small work writer's room thing. That's really Six people. And for me, it was like, okay, you might not want to hear what I have to say because one, I'm only a couple years older than you in the scene. I'm a woman or whatever, but you're going to fucking listen to this guy because they've headlined Caroline's they've done whatever. So I did my last one that I ever did before my most recent deployment was with Sebastian Maniscal, uh, um, Chris Mazzilli. Uh, oh yeah. The guys, uh, Gotham. So Sebastian is managed by Chris Mazzilli and Chris Mazzilli owns Gotham. He owns Levity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was Amy Schumer's manager for a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, clearly worked very close with Seinfeld, you know, like he's just, the Mazzilli brothers are known. Yeah. They're, they're legends. Like who, how do you not take their advice? Right. What struck me as insane about that conversation when we did the panel with Chris, he lays claim to having discovered Sebastian Maniscalco at Just for Laughs. And at this point, Sebastian was in his 12th or 13th year of his career. Yeah. He already had a Showtime special out. Right. And he still lays claim to discovering yeah. him because it's like at that level, yeah. yeah, that's what it's like. That's how fierce it is. Like, we all think Just for Laughs is making it. You know, <laughs> it's so not. It really isn't. It's completely. There's always another level. You're always yeah. trying to get to another level. And it's. Yeah, I think so, about this stuff all the time. It's because I, you know, I I got into comedy. So I um, I was in my late twenties, and I decided to finally pursue acting, which is something that I had done and, and ran away from. And people are like literally like, why aren't you doing this? This is what you should be doing. And so I studied uh, with Maggie Flanagan, who's this Meisner acting teacher. She's considered the best uh, in New York, maybe in the U.S. Like Phil Hoffman worked with her, John, uh, Sam Rockwell. He one, one day I was going to class and Sam Rockwell was coming out of like a private session with her. And he looked like a, a movie star. He was wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses. It was amazing. And she said, she goes, it takes 10 years to make an actor. And everyone, and you know, it was a lot of a lot of people in the class were like models, or people were working, and they just wanted like a fine tuning because they wanted to get better auditions and book better jobs. They didn't want to be like artists. But her thing was, I will teach you how to be an artist. I'm not going to teach you how to be a successful actor. I have no idea how Hollywood works. I don't know why some people work and other people don't work. But I will teach you how to live like an artist. And so I was doing acting and. I was kind of like, I just I couldn't get any traction. It was getting really frustrating. So I was like, if I'm going to focus on one thing, what makes the most sense to focus on? And stand-up made the most sense because I, it's me alone. I can control it. I don't have to rehearse with 13 people. I don't have to carry my costume to some black box theater in Queens. Were you doing that? Yeah, I was, I was doing wow. – I, I told you a story. I was, doing three, I was doing Three Sisters, a checkoff play, in a black box in Long Island City, whitening my beard, carrying my costume, doing – Performance with 13 people in the in the cast for six people in the audience. Oh. And then I went to the cellar for the first time, and Attell gets on stage. He's got his messenger bag and a Slurpee cup. 
Yeah. And he destroys. And I was, oh, like, yeah. I was like, that's the life for me. Yeah. I will love never, him. I will never not do that. Ever. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that's not, not the comedy, not the being on stage, not the audience loving you. Literally the fact that he had his bag with him and didn't take his coat off. I was like, I'm in. Sign me up. How the fuck do I do this? And yeah. so then He's I started the focusing on stand-up. And the funny thing is I use... I use miser technique in stand up all of the time. I use the stuff that Maggie trained me to do and it like it like percolates. It like it's not something that I'm thinking about. I'm like, "Oh, today I have to to do a preparation for this extra. It's like, "No, no, no, it's like in my body." And sometimes I see stuff happening where I'm like, "Oh, I'm the audience is my scene partner." So I have to play off the audience the way I would play off you if we were doing a scene in a play together. That makes and sense. that's what I do in stand up. And I even notice comedians I'm like, "Oh, his voice is in his throat." His voice is not in his body or he's not in his body or he doesn't – you know, people don't – like the technique part of stand-up beyond the joke writing I think gets lost a lot of it. Yeah. And so I, I use that for me. But I, I – as much as I was like I'm already 28 years old. Like I need this to happen right away. I'm about to be 40 and I just had the best year of comedy and, and being an artist ever in my life. And if this is this is what – how much time it takes I'm much more at peace now than had I been 23 being like well you know I gotta make this work, work fast or else my parents are gonna make me go to law school you know I mean I'm, I'm basically <laughs> a lot of that, at one though. point my, really at one point yeah. my, my grandmother goes how old are you how many years is law school so if you went to law school at 25 how old would you be now okay and then she just walked away <laughs> I was like thanks grandma she's savage yeah, oh, oh, she was a beast dude. she was such, I, I do a whole I, I do like I could do 20 minutes on my grandmother. Um, and just, but are and, they good 20 minutes? No, no. They're actually – people have been like people, people been like, oh, that stuff about your grandmother is really good. Basically meaning like don't do any of the other stuff. But, um, um, but yeah, so I, I totally – and again, look, getting back to Stallone, it's like nobody believes in him. He, he, took the, true. he took the hard road. He did it the hard way. But I think that's what – and he was in the wilderness for a while. There were years where Stallone was like – I think he burned a lot of bridges in Hollywood. I think he pissed a lot of people off. I think he was he became very arrogant and very full of himself, and that's why he kind of disappeared for a while. Do you think so? I don't really know enough about him other than that, like he's been married to the same woman for a thousand years and has four daughters. Um, so, but before that, he was known as like a Hollywood playboy. He was married to Brigitte Nielsen, Bridget. uh and a bunch of <laughs> other women. And so, in the eighties, he was like really crazy, and then he got married. He has these young daughters. And he just kind of he kind of disappeared for a while, and he, he did like a couple of like sort of B ish movies, and then he did yeah, he, he did uh, Copland. You ever see Copland? No. So Copland is an amazing. So Copland is he plays a fat suburban cop in Jersey. He puts weight on. He he's deaf in the movie. Oh. And well, like not completely deaf, but like hard of hearing. Um, he had an accident as a kid that made him lose most of his hearing. So the movie is about a town in Jersey where all the NYPD live. And they basically run it like they're like mobsters. And and Stallone is the actual sheriff of that town. Mm. And he finds out that something is untoward. And they're all like, come on, man. You're just you're just a small-time guy. We're NYPD cops. Yeah, and it's yeah, sort of – it's that character finally like owning his past and, and like and overcoming that. It's an amazing performance. And it was sort of a return. It was like – you know when like the, the guy – like the you know, the – Sort of like when Matthew McConaughey had like the McConaissance, whatever they called it, when he was like <laughs> Is that a thing that people say? No, they, no, they called like it the Renaissance. They called yeah. it the McConaissance. I think that's what they called. We had that that one year with like True Detective, and he won the Oscars. Yeah. It was yeah. the Maca- so like that was Stallone's Stallonaissance. 
was doing Copland. But even again, like now it's I think people do people ah, I don't want to go off on this tangent, but I, I feel like there are people who don't like Copland. Like think oh, it's like yeah, a it's, terrible Yeah, movie. it's not a it's not a perfect movie. There's some stuff in it that's a little and the hard of hearing thing was a lot for people to get over. No, it, the way I, he was it, talking. It's it's it fits in the movie. His care it's it's like Kaitel's in it, De Niro's in it. There's a lot okay. of there's a lot of like actors. Star power. There's a lot of super intense New York actors in that movie. And sometimes yeah. if you put too many of those guys together, yes. Yes. it just becomes a lot of that. Yeah. And which in the seventies was one thing. In the nineties it's something different. It's hard to get away with. So that. but it, I think it's I actually think it's a great movie. But uh he yeah, Stallone kind of went away for a while. And then so Creed was like he basically let these young guys who love the Rocky movies make a new saga that's connected. And that's why I think, I think Creed is great. I think it's because I, I saw it with Joel, uh, my friend who's here. Uh, and his lady friend. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she Shut doesn't up. know the Rocky stuff at all. So she appreciated it as a movie unto itself. And me as a Wait, huge Wait, she had Rocky, never seen Rocky? She, I mean, I, she may have seen some of it, but she didn't know. Like, there was, there was no moment where she's like, oh my God, that reminds me okay. of the thing that Apollo yeah. did. And right. she, like, there was no connection to any other stuff. And with me, it's like... Whereas I'm, you, you're just I'm like, oh my God, it, I can't believe it. I know, I can't believe it. doing it. Exploding. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, I emotion, it was like an emotional roll. I'm crying, I'm laughing, <laughs> I'm clapping. Like, it was just unbelievable. Oh, bravo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waving my handkerchief in the air. You're so weird. I didn't have that. I mean, look, I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. I just didn't have the sort of visceral, sentimental, emotional reaction. Like, and I love Rocky one, two, mm. and three. Like, I love those movies. So I was stoked. I was like, yeah, mm. this is gonna be good. Yeah. And then I was like, what? Rocky owns a pizza shop now. <laughs> like, it's a restaurant. It's a full. <laughs> it's a full Italian restaurant. Full, it's a full service Italian restaurant. Yeah, they got pizza. And Called everybody's Adrian's. fucking dead. <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard. It's it's been a lot of years. The first one was seventy six. True, that's pretty. It's before accurate. I was born. We so we should. T- I mean, you have an interesting story that I don't. I mean, I don't know all. I mean, you've alluded to. So wow. you're army officer. That's that really mean? interesting. How did yeah. that come? How did, about? how did you get to here? What do you mean? On like, your couch? Well, yeah. I yeah, took that. the bridge. No, no, I, obviously. I didn't take the FDR like you told me to. I was like, <laughs> fuck Peter. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's always a shit show. I hate the FDR. It was a shit show today. So Too bad because I live right. You literally get out like right here and just I know. drive up for a No, I know. When you told me you were dressed, I was like, that's so East. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But no, no. So you are, uh, you grew up in Jersey? I did. I grew up in, I was born in Hoboken. Um, I love Hoboken. It's so weird from when I was there as a kid. Yeah. Like there were white people, but not to the extent that I there re- are. Now. I remember <laughs> Hoboken, Hoboken was like the joke of New Jersey. It was. Really? Ghetto. You, were, you were embarrassed to tell people you were from Hoboken. It was ghetto. Wow. I mean, yeah. there was none of that shit up by the water even existed. That was built when I was like 12 years old, like Frank Sinatra Park. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Whole, like Eli Manning lives there now. Like, yeah, but he lives like, at like the W Hotel. Yeah, <laughs> like, really? He doesn't, he doesn't live there. <laughs> oh, for real? He has a yeah. suite there. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Shouts out to Eli. All right, go on. So you grew up in Hoboken? <laughs> uh, partially. And then I grew up between Hoboken and Dumont. Dumont, New Jersey, okay. and Bergen okay. County. Um, I, it's close to where I grew up. Where'd you grow up? Rockin County. Oh, right, I was right, born right. in the Bronx, but cl- close yeah. to Bergen County. Like, I had a band in high school, and one of our bandmates lived in Bergen. It was pretty close. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then you, did you go right into the Army, like, after? I didn't. No, I went to Fordham. Okay. Um, well, my dad went there. 
Yeah, I went to Fordham. Uh, I did ROTC through Fordham. I had a two-year. Mm. Um, I did it. I didn't do it straight at the outset. So like, I was in a four-year cadet. I was a two-year cadet. Okay. I did my last two years. Um, they gave me a one-year scholarship, and then after graduation, uh, I joined. The part of the commissioning was like you either commission active duty or you join a guard or reserve unit, and I made the mistake of joining the National Guard. Oh God. Um, Why was that a mistake? The National Guard is a really hard organization. Each state is like an island unto themselves and it oh. can get very political and New York especially is notorious for being the good old boys club. Um, oh, really? And you have a dual mission when you're in the National Guard. So you belong both to the governor of your state and to the president of the United oh, States. Wow. So It seems, you know, National Guard, you would think federal yeah. president. No, but. it's like the reserves only have a federal mission. So which mm-hmm. is a lo- <laughs> gives you a lot more flexibility on a personal level. Like, so when Sandy happened, um, that was three weeks after I had gotten my first civilian job. And I was like, I got to go. I've been mobilized to go deal with Hurricane Sandy. So I was gone for two weeks after I had just started this brand new job. Um, And that was brutal. Like Hurricane Sandy was a nightmare. Oh, yeah. But even when there's like massive snowstorms, like when when Buffalo got five feet of snow, people were mobilized. So it's just a lot more disruptive than Mm -hmm. if you were just in a reserve unit. Um, I see. So, so how how long have you been in? Twelve years. Wow. So you're, that's your job is to be an are you, to be an officer in the National Guard. Like I'm not sure how it it's works. one of my jobs. So I, I'm a captain in the U.S. Army. Oh, so wow. and then wow. by day I'm a the manager of related services systems for the New York City Department of Education. Very long title. Basically, <laughs> just to say I'm a computer systems analyst for the DOE. Okay. Uh, and then comedy. Yeah, that is a lot. Though. So, and, and you're yeah. a new mom. And I'm a new Jesus mom. How old is your baby? Do you see my face right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like I literally as... showed up in UGG slippers. I'm in sweatpants, folks. I got the high ponytail going. <laughs> There's you're no... crushing that I'm, look. Though, I'm, I'm worn out saying. because I had to do a weekend in, in Allentown and then be back in Manhattan on Sunday. Like that's um, that's me being tired. Like I can't imagine the having a kid and doing oh peter we do so much less than her it's so I know, I know. I mean, i'm saying like i i mean i recognize the absurdity of me being like i'm tired yeah, i'm exactly. gonna lay, i'm gonna lay on my couch i've only had one nap today i'm you know what i'm gonna watch all five rockies on the blu-ray <laughs> I, I, I deserve that some me time let's get um, some delivery no but i think that i appreciate that i think that's badass and i that's think that's super badass as, obviously and as, as also as somebody who um, I'm. I love like sort of the non-traditional stories and yeah. non-traditional past. So as somebody who obviously myself got into comedy late and has lived a couple of lives and has a lot of life experience to draw on, I I I kind of judge. I judge comedians as like, would I be friends with this person if we weren't comedians? And there's a lot of people that you try to have a conversation with, and they're vacant. Like you can't have a conversation with them. So whenever I meet somebody that we can like talk, like we could talk for hours and not talk about comedy at all. True. And I prefer that. I don't, don't tell me about your bits. Like what, what? So like whenever there's somebody that I meet who's had a life, I instantly, I'm like, oh, I'm fascinated by, by that. I often find that people like you and I, who are comics that started later in life, um, you know, we've, we've already got some, some road, beneath us or mm. behind us or whatever the fuck is <laughs> we tend to talk more about personal things whereas if you're a young 22 23 year old comic 
your brain functions so differently than I could ever do comedy. Like you're yeah. so out there. Like you can do bits about the semicolon that I could never do. <laughs> Seriously. Semicolon. I've heard I'm a good like, bit about a semicolon yes. in my day. Yeah. And I'm like, I, my, uh, my brain just, does, I appreciate it. I think yeah. it's hysterical when people can do that. When people do it well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But my brain doesn't, I well, because you ha- automatically you've ha- go to self. You've had your experience yeah. to draw from and it's, I think, closer to find the funny in that when you've had that personal experience. Yeah. But if you're 22 and nothing's really happened to you, if you are a good comic at with that s- skill set, you're not going to be drawing from yourself because there's nothing there. Yeah. There's nothing funny about a 22-year-old that nothing's happened to. Every week I write in my notebook, what is a joke and how do you write one? Because I have no – like I literally have no – I just – and I sometimes yeah. I feel like That's I'm – That's a che- good way of I feel it. like I'm cheating because I literally sometimes just repeat things that happened – or were said to me, and it's funny, yeah. and it feels like it feels like a cheat. But I'm like, it, nah, that, that's like a everyone gift. Feels, everyone feels like a that's fraud. a gift, and like I all I talk about is my life and my family and my. But it's but it's my perspective on those things. Yeah. I think I have a funny perspective on because my brother could get up on stage and not be funny <laughs> about the exact same thing that he is. Also he not lived. a funny guy. Uh, I have two brothers. Uh, yeah. The one is uh, the youngest is very similar to me, and he actually named the podcast "Kill You Last." Actually. He came up with that what idea. Did you tell her what you wanted to call it. I wanted to call it Guns and Swords. So I wanted to do a, a podcast about... Isn't that about, horrible? Why is it so bad? I, Are I, you kidding me? I because it gets... It immediately. immediately draws on like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Feelings. Like that's yeah. the feeling I got from it. Like you yes. spend nights and weekends playing D&D with yeah. your I've virtual n- family. I've never played D&D. Face. You're just gross. So my also, I was like, what do we want to never have girls <laughs> listen? Yeah. Like Guns and Swords. Like, what do you do? So I, well so I want and like, I still to this, I still want to I want to eventually do like some Japanese like samurai films. I want to do like like Dirty Harry and but so I like those kind of movies. So I said it to my brother, and he immediately texts back. He's like, "Call it Kill You Last," and I was like, "That's a genius idea." Yeah, so he lives in name. Chicago. When he's here, we're gonna do Predator. Uh, excuse me, Commando, which okay. is the movie that the line is from. And that, we should that, just we should just go to Chicago. Oh, dude, let's do, do it. Do some spots. He just got and en- then- he just got engaged. He uh, this All weekend right. he proposed to his girlfriend. Oh, and, Mazel uh, Tov! Yeah, congrats. I haven't talked to him. I was gonna call him today. He was in Aruba when he did it. But um, oh, he's very... What a nice story. He's very <laughs> funny. Nice. Yeah. He, I fucking hate wait, whoever are, she is. Are you Why? married? I've, I've been engaged. And I talk a lot about this in my comedy. I've been engaged three times. And <laughs> all three stories are like, meh. Really? Like, yeah. No one's ever, I don't like, have a good what? engagement story. And by far, my husband's was the worst. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was in the past. No. Wow. We were out. Like, I was... <laughs> can't imagine what this at the time i was taking these classes and it was basically like comedy college and okay. it was like our equivalent of finals week and so he was like hey meet me at um the red eye grill which was one of our favorites and close to where my class was and then you know we were just having happy hour like we were doing apps and drinks before my class and he proposed, and I was like, I gotta go to class. Oh, like, wow. why I... the fuck would you choose today? Wow. This moment, night. I was like, all right, thanks. I used to work. Uh, I, I used to wait yeah, tables. I used to wait tables around the corner from Red Eye Grill, and a guy asked me to bring an engagement ring out on the dessert, <laughs> dessert plate. He goes, "Do me a favor. When it's time for dessert, just walk out with this." And I was like a young. I didn't know what I was doing. You gotta say yes. Yeah. And I bring the plate out. She turns to me. It was a woman of color. Um, oh, and she turns to him and goes, what the fuck are you thinking? 
And then I didn't go, I didn't go back. People were asking me, like, the other guests were like, how do you think it's going? I was like, not well. <laughs> I literally, like, dropped the check in passing. Like, I didn't want to look. At, I just, like, I like I did, like, a drive-by, throw the check on the table. Cause, like, you got it. Was, it. She was like, why would you do this? What, it, he just thought that. He thought that he was going to convince her to love him by proposing. Oh, like he wasn't. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, they weren't. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, you they know how? Yeah, he's like, you know, you know, you know what? I'm going to get her. You know what? You know I'll how I'm going to get her? You. <laughs> I'll show you, bitch. So on that moment, I learned that I'm going to be damn sure that she's going to say yes before I <laughs> I go public. I will never go public. I'll never even tell I'm, my parents. I'm horrified of the idea of proposing. So my oh. so my brother told Ugh. told us and and. Our parents yeah. and her parents months ago that he was going to do this, yeah. but they you know they lived together. They've been together for years. It was clear yeah. she was kind of like, "What the fuck? Where's the ring?" Shittering it off the yeah. Right. She's yeah. like, "Is that how you were? Is that why it was like definitely yes?" But what the fuck? Oh, man? I mean, I can't even get into my dating life. Oh, okay. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I knew it was coming at some point, but yeah. I'm like. I'm the kind of person that likes to create memories. Yeah. So I'm like a little bit over the top about things. Okay. Like, so I have my neighbors that I'm very close with. They're like my little brothers and sisters. For each of their 18th birthday, I would get them a passport and then take them on their first trip. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, that's how that's I super am. super nice. Yeah. I'm super extra But also about making, making memories. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For my husband's 50th birthday party, like, I did a huge surprise party. Oh, nice. And I did it like three months in advance. So he was Jesus. super fucking surprised. Wow. <laughs> and a lot of the guests were like, happy 49th and three quarters. Yeah. I was like, fuck uh, you, asshole. Right. Was he surprised? Yes, it works. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> but like I did it like, extra. And so I kind of had that expectation about it. And he was, oh, you were you he, were expecting extra back? Well, he no, didn't. No, like I was expecting some sort of fucking planning, yeah. like a little bit I mean, a of little effort. Bit. I he's mean, like, he's like, I got a dentist appointment at two thirty. Yeah, garbage goes out tonight. And by the way, here's a ring. Yeah. <laughs> it literally felt like that. It literally. Here's the ring. Let's go. I'm. Uh, but you know what's funny is that when you're saying he gave you a ring to bring out, he tried to do that with the waitress, and she was like, "We're not allowed. I can bring out the box, but you have to hold on to the ring." Yeah, I'll oh. never do that. Again. There, I mean, it is like a liability thing. Like, what if I lost the fucking ring? Yeah, like that's true. Oh my god, I gave it to we, some twenty year old. We kid. won't. We won't even hold a cake for them anymore. You know what I mean? It's like don't don't blame me when your cake gets fucked up. Don't yeah. give me a don't give me a, a diamond ring. That also, think- that's so like. That's been done in sitcoms. And it's like, also are like, you really going to do honestly, that move? Like, so I'm going to eventually, I've been saying this for years, but I'm eventually going to write like an anonymous pamphlet, like how to get the best out of your restaurant experience. Because all the things like we don't, smart. all the things that we don't tell you because we have to pretend that you're not a moron. <laughs> and and I, I talk about this, some of this stuff on stage, but it's like, it's like, it, why would you want the people who in the restaurant to think that you're a fucking idiot? Like act like you're an adult and you know what you're doing. And so all these like stupid things that, that people do, like when people are cavalier about their allergies, oh, no. like oh, I have an allergy, but like, is it is it a little bit of pepper or is it a medium amount of pepper or is it a lot of pepper? Because I can eat a little bit of pepper if it's cooked. But I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, I'm a stranger. Yeah. And you don't even have my undivided attention. Yeah. Do not put your life into my hands. Like that little I've said this to people. Like yeah, you're you, a moron. You own this. Yeah. If you die, I do not put this shit on me. Yeah. So it's like it's like people don't take ownership of their shit. You wanna propose? Get on your fucking knee. Don't yeah. put on the waiter. I'm 24 waiting tables at Doc's Oyster Bar. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm wearing right. I'm wearing a apron with lobster bib clips on the apron because everybody who gets lobster we had to put the bib around their neck. <laughs> so yeah, I have yeah, a yeah. line of clips. <laughs> I would ready to go. I would literally go behind you like a dentist, put the bib around you, and clip it. You're gonna trust me with the proposal? This is like the yeah. I don't even like him anymore, but the Aziz and Zari, he does he has a whole bit about this in one of his specials because somebody proposed like during lunch. Oh, and it was like, that's funny. Could you, you even wait till dinner? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like what was it? Un, unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have to see Aziz's specials. I haven't the, really watched. And this not, was old. I mean, yeah, this I'm was, not a yeah. fan of his. Well, yeah. I, just thought, I think he's great in Parks and Recreation. He's a, he's he's a, a great funny comedic actor. actor. Yeah, yeah. He really is good. I'm, a, I'm more and more. I'm, be, I'm getting to be a real um, snob. snob about yeah. stand up. I think I, that happens when you start doing because it's so saturated yeah. right now. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is. It's it too is. Many. Thank you for saying. People that. think it's a boom. It's a bust. Because there, there's more, there's too much of it, and the and the quality has gone down drastically. I but, literally can't remember the last Netflix special where I was like that. Probably Bumping Mics was the only yeah. Yeah. one that I yes. enjoyed. That was the last one, and I even that too. was incons- uh, inconsistent. And it's funny because they had some young guys on, like Hassan Minaj, gets on there, doesn't like starts doing bits, and well, and they're looking at him like, "What the fuck is this guy? Does this guy know how to do comedy?" So there were parts of watching bumping mics yeah. that I was like, "Is this just one giant commercial for Netflix?" Because Hassan Minaj was there, right. Bob Saget was oh, there, and they right. were rebooting re- rebooting Fuller House. And you think that wasn't um, part of it? Yeah, I was like, uh, even Gilbert yeah. Gottfried. Yeah, yeah. Well, although Gottfried. I mean, uh, Gilbert Godfrey and David Tell probably have known each other long and enough. God, and he's probably the best part of the whole thing. He was. He, he actually did deliver. Hysterical. Yeah. hysterical. I can't not like Gilbert Godfrey. He's so great. Speaking of, like, he's great on the He's got a podcast that is a movie podcast. And oh, really? I would love to get on it. They, but they go, like, deep. They'll, they'll have guys who, like, directed episodes of sitcoms from the 60s oh, on. Cool. And it's like, he and his co-hosts, like, really, really know. They know, like, every forgotten comedian every forgotten comedic actor and they like go deep in and he's so funny on the radio like Gilbert is fucking amazing Mm. but uh, yeah the stand up is just it's just not and and it's it's one of those things I think it's corrupting when 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 poor quality gets rewarded it's corrupting to the art form yeah definitely so why would I spend time making something great if somebody who's making something crappy is getting all the the fame and all and I think that's why some people I think they snap for that reason, there's guys oh, yeah. that we know who are hilarious, monster comedians yeah. who have not had and girls. success, and, and girls, they, and maybe they've self, maybe they've self sabotaged, but also it's very corrupting to see somebody who's not nearly as good get all well, that he, success. Here's and something: it, Why do I never see someone like Jessica Kirsten on television or with a Netflix? To me, she's so she's been so funny, well, I, but there, now I have to see this three year in Pretty Girl or whatever yeah. it is. And she's 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 obviously not ready for the moment. Not that she's not even that funny, but like I don't know, it's saturated. That's what I'm saying. Well, like, I but I agree with you. It's yeah. like Jessica Kirsten, somebody who could go on the road and, and do yeah. a month of in, a different material yes. every night. You know what I mean? She's just got like an encyclopedia <laughs> of material. She's done the work. I like somebody asked me the other day. They they said they asked a. A mutual friend of ours, how they get into the cruise gigs. I was like, bro, you've been at it for three years. Right. Like, that guy's got two different 45s. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. You're not just exactly. going to walk up to Norwegian Cruise Line and be it's like, like, hey, hey man, I'm By the a way, comic. here's my tape. Well, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's like, if you ever, like, I, I love writing too. Like, I like to listen to like screenwriters and writers talk about what they do and the craft and whatever. And like, 
inevitably every single time that when they're like, yeah, whenever I talk to young people and I want to talk about the craft of writing, they always go, well, how do I get an agent? It's like, no, how about how, about, how do I get good? Yeah. Yeah, Think yeah, about yeah, how exactly. you get good exactly. and then the people and, – and that's what I feel like right now. Like I'm trying to get as good as I can get mm-hmm. so that the people with the power to change my life will want to work with me. I don't want to beg somebody to want to work with me. I want them to be like, hey, hey, why don't you come into uh, my office tomorrow? Because it's like – Well, yeah, like, because that's how it works. When they Begging make, someone doesn't work. Yeah, when they, make, yeah, when they can gonna, make money off you, yeah. they, will, they will find you and want to work with you because they – I think a, a huge problem with this is people with the self-esteem thing, I don't know. Like my generation for sure has been brought up to love themselves too much, I think. Yeah. How, you think? how old are you? 27. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely, right? <laughs> I'm, you know, born in 92. You're all special. So definitely people don't, I don't know. They like themselves too much. They think that liking themselves or something or their act is going to make them better somehow. But really you should, you should take stock and be like, look, I'm not that good and I need to be better. Not demanding an agent or like. What you shaking your head like? I agree with you. Oh, you agree like with that. me? Okay, yeah. There's something that There's happened so, after 1990. Yes. Or <laughs> it's like, bro, like because yeah. you were talking about how in your acting you communicate with the audience as your scene partner, mm-hmm. and there are so many times people come off stage and we do the same show together, and then I see them post killed it. I'm like, bro, were you in the same room? Oh my god, so ridiculous! And like, there's man. a phrase in comedy called being in the room, yes. being present. So yes. like, you can do your material and you can deliver it, and you can assess the feedback all simultaneously. Yes. And some people just don't have that. Yeah, and I, like, do you and, think it's that, or do you think they're just lying to themselves? I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. and like, I think these are people who are putting in the work to go back and listen to the tape. And I'm like, yeah. and you still don't hear it because we're. I think like a, a certain amount of arrogance will get you some, and a certain amount of um, arrogance la- is lack, lack of self awareness. I know when I was in acting school, there was a guy that every week he wouldn't listen, every week he did the same thing that the teacher told him not to do. And immediately out of acting school, he was working and he's, he still works. And it's like he just he believed in himself so much that that became the story that was presented. Is that this guy believes in him? You know what I mean? Like that's he had very that, rare. He had this. Com- he had a confidence there, about him there are that in, like in that. and of itself, sure, sure. people responded to the confidence. There are okay. Whereas with me, it was like I was like a shaky man. People were like, "Why are you acting like this?" I'm like, "Ah." People like had to tell me like to like relax and like let go. Like I wanted it. Well, that's too not bad. good either. Yeah, yeah. No. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I he got something that I deserve and vice versa. I'm just saying that that level of this is what I'm doing and I'm going to go after it is versus like the, the self doubt and the, and the, you know, second guessing yourself. I think that reads in a certain way and people, people respond love to that. Confidence. Yeah. yeah people do. fucking love it. Especially like it works in everything. Stand up, uh, getting a partner or like a, like a romantic partner. Like, but like confident people kind of, they're kind of inconsiderate most of the time because they're just like, I'm great. Like, you so, know, this is awesome. So going back, what do you think yeah. Stallone thinks about himself? In Rocky Three? No, in, in general. In this is the thing I think about. It's like, does Stallone, <laughs> how does he... View his career? We, yeah, can we tell what he... Like, when he's being humble, is he being falsely humble? Mm. Like, does he does he sit there and go, wow, I created fucking Rocky, which is, like, one of the greatest movie characters of Or is he like, wow, what, you know, what, a, what an honor it is that people still... I, I don't know. Because I, I, I think that it's probably changed. And I think in Rocky Three and Rocky Four, he was probably, like, asshole on top of the world. 
Stallone. And I think now, and again, another thing I love about Creed is that, like, I mean, I'm watching the movie and he looks like my dad. You know what I mean? He looks like an older Italian guy who's, you know, the younger guys don't necessarily want to listen to him. And he has this wisdom that, you know, he, he wishes these young guys would just listen to what he has to say and they don't necessarily want to hear it. And, you know, I, I just, I think that that guy is a lot different than the guy from 1982. And I'm just, I don't know. You think I, it's reflecting in the movie? Yeah, and I think that he's, pl- and I think that that's why, I think that people think that Stallone is that guy and that's why they don't think that it was hard work to create that stuff. They think he's just being himself on screen. Yeah. But I think it's that's a difficult thing There was to um, do. some interesting trivia as I was watching it. So I, I watched it through Amazon Prime and it would have like these little trivia things scrolling on the side. It was saying that all of the memorabilia in the opening montage was real memorabilia. Huh. Like there were scenes of Rocky... Um, as him, as Sylvester Stallone, like presenting at the Academy Awards, like yeah. that they used in the movie. So it was oh, very that. interesting that the footage they chose to use, they were legit, like him selling Maserati, and yeah, yeah. those were well, all real advertisements. I'd also oh, wow. read that like this movie is also about Stallone's career because this you think about it, 80, ah. it's eighty two. This is six years after the original Rocky. And he, where is he now in his career? He's on top of Hollywood. He's a, he was a broke guy who's now a millionaire. He was a guy that nobody wanted to give a chance to who's now a star directing, writing, starring in movies. So that's – I mean that's still, that's who he is of, uh, in 1982. Art imitates life. Yeah. yeah, and, and, that's, yeah. and that's – I'd the, say so. That's the guy who yeah. gets knocked off by the, the Mr. T's right. of, of the world who – we should talk about Mr. T. That scene, look, just where he wants to bang his wife or whatever, yeah, yeah. take oh, his. Well, that's yeah. a cool. That's iconic. That's it. What does he say? What does he you say? Like, a, he's like, we won't be able to real man. Yeah. yeah. So I get excited when I see that scene. I, I was a big Mr. T guy. I, I mean, A Team is like I, again, super cheesy '80s sitcom uh, uh, drama. Loved loved A Team, but he also Mr. T did. I have this thing where I I love the. Uh, Part of like the archetype stuff and the myth stuff with these these action characters for me is is the clothes and the uniform. Like in the Rambo's, like I love when he gets like the gear together and gets dressed. Such a nerd, yeah. And and so Mr. T did a show. It was called T and T. So you know when like you know when they like they like just give a guy a TV show. They're like, oh, what are we gonna do with this guy? He's a little bit famous. Let's give him. So Mr. Sure. T was at that moment where they're like, all right, let's give Mr. T a TV show. Okay. So the premise of the show is he's one of the T's. There's like a red haired woman who's the other T. So they're T and T. I don't understand why she's T. Go on. It's just for because the, they they probably came up with T and T. They had to figure out how to use it. So <laughs> so, so she's an attorney. He's yeah. the private investigator for her. So in every episode. He's dressed in his street clothes as Mr. T, and he literally goes into a locker room, and he dresses up like Sherlock Holmes. Like he puts on, <laughs> he puts on like this, and that is that's the only thing I remember from yeah. the show, and that was my favorite part because okay. I love because it was like he's creating the character by putting on the uniform of the character, and even yeah. so, Mr. T, like even in this movie, like that's him, the fucking feather earrings and the mohawk and the gold chains. Like it would be if he, if Mr. T did a movie and he had like a full on afro with no gold chains, I'd be like, "What the? F- get me another guy! Like, why do I need Mr. T for? I want Mr. T 
with the mohawk. Oh yeah. And I, I so I love that. Was he like one of the first guys with like like first black guys with a mohawk or like was the mohawk? I think he might be the, the only one. I <laughs> yeah, eighty two. I don't think the mohawk was even in style. I mean, punk mohawks maybe. If you had like, a mohawk, people were like, "What are you trying to be, Mister T?" Like, I, wow. I, I think I okay. even I think I even had glad I asked. I think I even had Rocky action figures. And of course the Mr. you did. T1, of course you did. I, I'm pretty sure I did. You and think the, the Mister T one was you especially your, cool. Did you fight with your guys? I was your like, little Rocky. Guys? I was like, here, throw some sand on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go, cool. Apollo. Oh, let me rub your back. That's cute. Uh, no, but like, so Mister T is like, it's weird how he that character just, you know, just disappears from. The, the Rocky mythology. Like, he's a big... That's true. He's he was a, great. He was yeah. fantastic. Same with... I mean... Look. Like, it's cheesy, but he owns <laughs> yeah. it. He owns it big time. Also, I know you don't like Rocky Four, but Drago, he kind of comes and goes, too. It's like, they had two of those. Rocky Three and Rocky Four, where you have a guy who literally just makes makes his mark and then is gone. But the other Rockies, you know, you have Creed is long-lasting, obviously. Apollo, yeah. he's referenced throughout the, the whole series. But Rocky Four is what le- made... Creed. I mean, Creed is about what happened in Rocky IV 30 years later. Yes. With Apollo's death. But not Drago. Drago. Well, no, well, I mean, Creed, okay. Creed II is the son of Ivan So really, Drago. Mr. T is really the only one that's just like a flash Doesn't in get the his pan. due. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I, don't think he, I, I think Creed three has to be. They're going to do a Mr. I think, T thing? I think uh, Michael B. Jordan has to bang Mr. T's daughter oh, in Creed three. That'd be great. I don't know if he has a daughter, but it'd be cool. What would she look like? Lisa Bonet. No, I don't know. <laughs> Lisa Bonet. No, know. she would look like Mr. T. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine how ugly Mr. T's daughter is? No idea. But well, um, well, that's not necessary. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, it's funny because with these, uh, the, the more sentimental I am about the movie, the less funny I am in the podcast episode. <laughs> you care I, a lot. I do. Uh, these when some, I edit this, the track for you is going to be a lot of talking. <laughs> You'll see. No, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. But um, yeah, so we met. Um, I, I felt we had met a couple times before, but then we did the show and, together. Yeah, in Nutley, right? Nutley, New Jersey, which I've never been to before in my Same. life. Same old Canal Inn. Uh, but that was. I mean, you you had a great set, and I was like, hey, if you ever want to do Rocky Three and or First Blood, you can come on my podcast, and we'll talk about either one of those movies. And it happened. So and you just did like give it, her two options. No, no I'm, I'm teasing. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know if you're teasing. That's I don't remember. Literally I don't remember exactly, options. but I was like, hey, I have an 80s By the way, movie we, podcast. Give, we give the guests a list of movies, and it comes from Peter's Facebook status, some inside, <laughs> inside scoop. Well, no, because a lot of people are like, oh, 80s, what movie should I do? I'm it's like, true. It helps people decide. So, and there's, there's a lot of movies that I... We've we've done plenty of movies that I would never want to do because I let the guests pick the movie, and there's a ton of movies that I would love to do. So Grease too. Yeah, that's that one rubs, that hurts a little bit. That's one fine, of our most fine. downloaded episodes. Of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. Um, but um, you know these the movies that I really really are like attached to. Sometimes it's hard for me to like have emotional distance. From these movies, it's like I, would, I, you know, it's, we kept the course. We talked about everything, man. The homework. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm saying like this is. I mean, this has been great, but it's like yeah. I, I feel like I'm like now. I need to like. You need to have a cry. I need to have like a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's never gonna talk to me again because I said the beach scene was bullshit. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. I don't hold grudges. <laughs> he did get upset. I, I got a little it. upset, but I don't hold grudges. Yeah. It's no, okay. but um, this has been great. Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. Do you have about? anything going on? Um, no, I mean, I got a, a bunch of shows coming up as we do. So this will, so this will be out, uh, Tuesday, this Tuesday. So pretty close, oh, maybe perfect. Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next, next Wednesday, I'm at the Grizzly Pair. Uh, what day, what day is that? Just so it's clear. 
the 13th. March, March 13th. March 13th. Well, I'm at Beauty Bar um, with the fabulous Catherine Henson. Um, oh. And then... What show is that? Murderous? Or? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I just have Beauty Bar and Catherine Henson. And then the Midnight <laughs> Spot at the, the Grizzly Pear. Then um, the Grizzly Pear again on Saturday night. And then... Uh, uh, nothing, thank God, on St. Patrick's Day. I don't. <laughs> oh fuck, St. Patrick's Day shows. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's it sounds brutal, um, but I got a couple Jersey. Where where are your listeners? Yeah, we got some Jersey listeners for uh, sure. After New York, it's our number one. That's our no, it's our number two state. Yeah. That's for sure. Perfect. Well, anyway, you could just follow me on Facebook. And what's that? Lynette Palladino. Uh, same thing on Instagram, Lynette underscore Palladino. Yeah, we'll put it in the notes for the iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. yeah. And how do you spell Lynette just so people that don't look at the description now? L-I-N-E-T-T-E Palladino, P-A-L-L-A-D-I-N-O. I'm not one of them single L Palladinos. Yeah. Fuck those people. <laughs> I've they seen a couple of comics. They're wrong. <laughs> they're wrong. Yeah. I got, um, oh, sorry. Do you have anything no, else? No, no, no. There, there are a shocking amount of Palladinos I in know. comedy lately. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's like a couple. Is there a Dylan Paladino? Yeah, Dylan, Dylan, so yeah. Dylan Paladino and I, for like three months, we were on every other show together. And it was wild. And I would always be hosting or he would be hosting. Oh, that's a, And yeah. it's like, oh, here's Dylan Paladino. No relation. And then his six foot five ass walks yeah, on stage, like yeah. fucking clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm five foot three. Yeah. And he's like an Adonis. He's a Like he's guy. a beautiful man. Yeah, we look nothing alike. <laughs> he is. He's a, he's a big, he has a good podcast too we should talk to. Oh, Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I have uh, March 20th, uh, the third edition of Aggressively Chill at V Spot, 7 p.m. Peter's going to be on the show. Oh, cool. Yeah, people. he is. Yeah, I'll, it's a monthly right now, so I'll uh, get in contact with you for April. Um, yeah, so um, March 20th, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, also, March 22nd, I am featuring for uh, what's. Uh, Bob Levy. That's oh, yeah. Yeah, I with, I thought it was with Caitlin Bob Murphy Levy. hosting. That's gonna be a great show. It's oh, in nice. Yonkers. I love her. She Caitlin Murphy. Oh, she's the best. Hilarious. Yeah. I love Caitlin Murphy. So that's gonna be at uh, Central Stage in Yonkers, and I believe the website is uh, Friday, March twenty second, seven p.m. The website is centralstagenewyork.com. Cool. Um, also, we have. Um, we're going to be on Compound Media, me and oh, Peter. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. We're going to be promoting our show, uh, Kill You Last, on the morning show with Bill Schultz. And I forgot his co-host's name, but she's gorgeous, and I can't remember her name. I don't know. Either. Well, yeah, that's going to be March that's what is it? 21st. Yeah, March yeah. 21st. Yeah, we're, he was on Kill last, You Last is doing good. He was on last week, and then he's going to have us Thank on. Thank you. <laughs> I have, I, my phone is dead, so I can't even oh, look man. up this stuff. But I, if you follow me on Instagram, I have a couple shows coming up. I'm going to be... In Bloomfield, New Jersey, next cool. week with uh, Tyrene and Chriselle Cabrera, two friends of mine, are putting me on their oh, show. Nice. And then on Thursday, I'm doing Chris Hamilton's show at the Orchard Hotel. Oh, Chris Hamilton's I, great! Yeah, he's man. great. He's really, really, really awesome. funny, awesome dude. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I have those those shows. Keep listening. Keep downloading. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Yep. This has been another episode of this Kill was You Last. So much fun. Thank oh, you. Thank for you. Thanks, thank for, you thanks for coming on. That was great. Um. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. bye.